One of the things that I enjoy about churches that are unified like we are is that when you have an issue, when you have a problem, when you're going through something, when you bring a prayer request, you know that everyone in this building will bear you up and support you. Well, good morning. God is good. Amen. Amen. Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. Amen. Now, we are going to continue in chapter 3 of Colossians. We'll be starting in verse 12 and following down to verse 16, 17. 17, not 16. And we'll be looking at it. Now, this is a continuation of the new life in Christ. Notice Paul gives a pretty good lengthy description of how it is that we are to be in Christ. And what it means to have a new life in Christ. So if we are at chapter 3, verse 12, let's read. So embrace as the elect of God, holy and beloved, a spirit of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, and long-suffering. Bear with one another and forgive one another. If anyone has a quarrel amongst anyone, even as Christ forgave you, so you must do. And above all these things, embrace love, which is the bond of perfection. Let the peace of God, which to which also you are called in one body, rule in your hearts and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly and all wisdom, teaching, admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Father, Thank you for this word. Thank you as an encouragement to us, Lord, that we are to be uh, what you want us to be, showing forth the love of Christ, and that we would uh, give grace to others around us, and we would show and give grace. And Lord, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, so embrace as the elect of God, holy and beloved, a spirit of mercy. So embrace a spirit of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, and long-suffering. So as a believer, as a person who is following Christ, we, one of the things we must do is embrace a spirit of meekness, long-suffering, humbleness of mind, and all of that. We are to embrace those things. Jesus was the embodiment of that. Jesus, even though he knew the outcome of his life, embraced kindness, mercy, meekness, and long-suffering. Therefore, understand that there's a pattern here of what Jesus was like, and therefore we must be like. We must Im uh, imitate, if that's a proper word for it, 
we must imitate the character of God, of character of Christ. We must emulate. Emulate is a better word. Emulate that character with love being the center. Notice how Paul always uses, brings us back to that love. Now go with me in your mind, or you could go with me and turn there to 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13, not 16. 1 Corinthians 13, and the very last verses. This is a... This is a common theme in Paul's epistles. Now that I now that I know in part, but I then I shall know in part, but then I shall know even as also I am known. So abide faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Now this love chapter talks about love. Love never fails. It talks about love suffers long and is kind. Love envies not. Love flaunts not itself. And it's not puffed up. Does not behave itself improperly. Seeks not its own. Is not easily provoked. Thinks no evil. Rejoices not in the in iniquity, but rejoices in truth. Bears all things. Believes all things. Hopes all things and endures all things. Love never fails. And then he goes down in verse 13, the greatest of these is love. Faith, hope, and love, the greatest of these is love. And then he goes on in here, and he's talking about we are to embrace love in verse 14. And above all these things, embrace love, which is the bond of perfection. So where does... One begs the question, where does the love come from? Where does the, where does the mercy that we can show and the, and, the, and the humbleness of heart and all these where, where is the core of this where's the core coming from is it coming from an attitude of I know best therefore I'm going to do it because it's I'm doing it in my own strength a lot of people think that way but biblically speaking the, the kind of love that Paul is talking about comes from a heart of love Jesus did what he did died on the cross, knew his whole outcome from probably the age of 30 when he went started his public ministry, probably knew from that point on that he was going to die for sins of the world. He knew that prior to that in eternity past. But as a child, I don't know if he was, it was revealed to him in those pieces as a child up until he was older. But he knew the outcome. And yet he embraced love. He embraced meekness. He embraced humbleness of heart. He embraced holiness. Jesus did all of this knowing the outcome. And knowing the outcome, it would be easy to say, well, I don't have to be loving. I don't have to be nice. I don't have to be respectful. I don't have to be cordial because I know this person's going to do me wrong. I know this person is going to not do what they're supposed to do. Therefore, I don't have to be this way. Jesus knew it all. But yet he was still this way. And therefore, we are called to share forth the same character to other people. Embrace love. Embrace love for one another. 
It says in verse 13, Bear one another and forgive one another. If anyone has quarrel against anyone, even as Christ forgave you, so you must do. This is a thing that churches, I'm sorry to say, churches don't practice very often. They harbor for unforgiveness toward someone, whether they're in the church or not. Maybe it was a quarrel that one of them left. And the one that is left in the church still has a heart of contention against the person that's already gone. And that person that's in the church and the person that left, because it's not mended, they, just, they, he, they cease to grow in the Lord. They cease to grow because they've not made that better. You know, when something's broken, if you mend it, it'll still continue to be, it'll still flourish. I know we had uh, one time, we had a plant. And you, you know, there are, there are certain plants you can, you can break a piece of it off and you can make another plant from it and it'll grow. There are plants like that. My mom used to have those. She still has them. They're the big, long, we call them mother-in-law's tongue or something. They're huge. You break a piece of it off and you stick it in water and it'll grow. And then you put it in a pot and then put it with others and it'll bind together and it'll grow. That's a process. That's a picture of if something is broken, if a relationship is broken, whether it be somebody who is just a congregant, a friend, or whatever, or a spouse, or whatever the case. If that relationship is broken, the only way that anyone's going to grow is if that relationship is fixed. But if it's fixed. Now, I'm not saying that you should hang around with someone that's bad for you if that person drags you down. You can fix a relationship and then cease to be together. You understand what that means? You can fix a relationship and say, okay, we're okay, we've forgiven each other, but we, see, we don't see the point of staying together as friends because we bring each other down or whatever the case. So to grow, sometimes you have to fix it and then go your separate ways. Or sometimes you fix it and you stay together. But it depends upon the situation, the, the, the intent of the relationship, the nature of the relationship, and what happens there. But normally, if something is broken, it only can grow if you fix it. A plant, if it's broke and you don't mend it, it'll die. Same thing with a relationship and a person in the, in the eyes of context of Scripture. If you don't fix that relationship within the church, that relationship will die. And ultimately, the church will die. It's kind of humbling. One person, I, I remember, I was part of a group that one person was upset with one person. And the one, and, and this second person went and talked to everybody and got everybody on their side. And then pretty soon everybody on their side and they left. And the church split. And that church never recovered because of it. Now the people that left, I know some of them still, and they're not following the Lord. Kind of humbling, isn't it? Paul says we are to 
Fix the relationships. You don't have to be friends, but you can come to an understanding of agreeing to disagree and going your separate ways. Fixing the relationships. And here as a group, I would hope that we would be comfortable enough with one another to say, hey, I've got a problem with what is going on or what is said or what is what was done and we need to talk about it and we would be adult enough, and I say that because that's what really it is, we would be adult enough to say, okay, let's have a cup of coffee, let's sit down in the pew and have a conversation and we'll end it with some prayer. That's what happens in a loving Christian relationship in the church. And that's what Paul is calling us to do. Forgive one another. That's what forgiveness is all about. You sit down, you talk about it, you come to an understanding with one another, you extend forgiveness to one another. Whether you decide to maintain a relationship, that's between you and the other person and God, but you've done your part of forgiveness. Okay? Or if it doesn't happen that way, everyone in the church will suffer. The church itself and everyone in it will suffer due to someone who does not see fit to make it right. Jesus talked about this, or I believe it was in the Gospels where he said, if you have any odd against the brother, before you bring your offering to God, go make that right with the brother. That's because you cannot, God cannot bless someone who has an unforgiving heart. If you want to grow in God, you have to have a forgiving heart. You have to be willing to forgive even though you don't feel that forgiveness should be extended. That's really, that's really the case. That's what Christians do. That's what Christians do. He says, bear with one another and forgive one another. In other words, bear with one another means stay together. Good and bad. Thick and thin. Bear with one another and forgive one another. Love should go beyond my feelings. That's what he's saying here. Love should go beyond your feelings. You don't always like someone, but you should always love them in the Lord. And you should always want the best for them in the Lord. Verse 14, And above all these things, embrace love, which is the bond of perfection. We've talked about that. In doing so, that's what we are doing. We are embracing love. And if we do all of that, he says, Let the peace of God, to which you also you called are called in the, in one body, rule in your hearts and be thankful. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts and be thankful. One of the things that I enjoy about churches that are unified like we are is that when you have an issue... When you have a problem, when you're going through something, when you bring a prayer request, you know that everyone in this building will bear you up and support you. You know that because that's who we are. 
And you know that that forgiveness and all of that stuff, you have that support. You know that. Because that's who we are. We support one another. That's what a true family does. Even though, you know, listen, I grew up in a family of eight. We don't know, didn't always agree. Sometimes we didn't always like each other. But we all supported one another when it was needed. Because that's what family does. And that's who we are here today. Now, we can be thankful for that. Some people don't have support systems. Some people are walking the streets without any support. Maybe they're not living on the street, but maybe that's their thing. They walk around all day and they try to think or they, that's, that's their entertainment because maybe they don't have anything else. No support. But in a church, you have support. And you can be thankful for that. In the home, you should have support. You should have support in the home of family. Maybe uh, you live on your own, like Ralph lives, you, 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 you live on your own. And, uh, you know, maybe, maybe support systems are the church and extended family. But you'd be thankful for that, that support you have. It's a God-given gift. It's a God-given thing. He goes on. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Now, here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say this once, and I don't want it to be taken wrongly, okay? If you're not in the Bible... If you're not reading the Bible, if you're not studying the Bible, and I'm not saying four hours a day, I'm just saying if, if, if the Bible is a second part of your life, like if it's not the most important thing, I think it's important that we refrain from giving biblical advice unless directed by God. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not saying that to be mean, but if, if you are... Seeing someone, like I say, a, a brother overtaken in a fall, and you don't have the Bible in your life in a constant, consistent way, you shouldn't offer advice unless God says, talk to this person. In and of yourself, you should not deliver advice if the Word of God is not part of your life in a consistent way. Because what happens, and I say this, not to come down on anyone or sound mean, but what happens is everybody, those that we say are having problems, we, they have close interaction with us. They know how much the Bible is in our life. And if it's not first and foremost in our life, if you give them biblical advice without God giving you direction, they're going to say, well, what do you got to say about it? You don't read your Bible. Is that really any good? So we have to really think about giving biblical advice and admonishing one another. Only directive of the Lord, number one. Only directive of the Lord, whether we're reading it or not. Only directive of the Lord. And number two, if we're not reading it, only directive of the Lord. That is it. Because if we're not reading it, 
they're going to know you're not reading it. If someone is close enough to you, and they're going to come back with you and say, what are you talking about? You didn't even read your Bible. You don't, you don't know the Bible. You don't read it. So how would you, how, how would that be effective then? That's my, my thought on that. Not to be mean, but if you want to be effective, you have to have the Bible paramount in your life. Paramount in your life. Not the saying God can't use you, because He can. God used a donkey, remember? But God can use you, but only in situations where God is saying, speak to this person, are you to do that if you're not reading your Bible, because they know whether you're reading it or not, okay? Understand that. It's not to be mean that I say that. And he goes on, and he says... Whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the family, the, or the Father, through Him. So everything we do, everything we do, every single thing, we should not seek our own gain. It's hard. That's a hard thing. It's contrary to our under our nature is to not seek our own gain but everything that we do because it's so much easier to say well you know I'll give it I'll just give a local example okay we got a thousand dollars in the paint fund boy we did a good job we did a great job raising funds man look what we did is that really what God wants God wants us to understand that he started a process and he saw it to fruition. And he's still seeing it to fruition. And he's going to see it to fruition until it's done. And then there will be a next one. And a next one. And a next one. It's not what we're doing. It's what, what God is doing through us. That's what's important. And to God be the glory. Not to Josh be the glory. Not to Ralph be the glory. Not to Wayne be the glory. Or Brenda or Jim or Sandy or Lois. But to God be the glory for what He does. Giving thanks to Him. And do it all for Him. I talked to the boys last night about what they do and why they do it. We had devotions last night over the supper table. And usually it's before bed, but we were sitting around the table and I thought, well... It was late. It was later than supper time usually is because they were doing greenhouse stuff most of the day. And I said, we're going to talk about devotions here. And why I applied that they were helping. And they should be helping not to get their own glory, but giving that glory to God. Because God gave them the ability to be able to do that which they were doing yesterday. And they were helping and so whatever we do, understand that God gives us the ability, therefore God gets the glory. You know, if it wasn't for God, and now I'm going to be straight honest with you, if it wasn't for God in my life, what you're seeing here and here and on the radio, I knew nothing about that 20 years ago. Nothing. But it's what God has put in front of me to learn and people in my path to teach me these things. 
Not what I've learned because I wanted to do it, but God put me on a path and God put people in my path to teach me. And therefore, He gets the glory for it. Amen, right? Amen? Everything we've done here has been to God be the glory. God grows His church. We've got normally, if things everyone's healthy, we have about 16, 17 people. Two years ago, that wasn't the case. Is that us? Is that me? Is that the internet? Is that, is that the, the, the YouTube channel? No. I was asked by that by our bishop. What are you doing down there that, all the, that these people are coming in? I said nothing. I do nothing except preach the word. I'm not doing anything that I would have done in any other church that I'm doing here. And God is bringing the people in. That's what it is. To God be the glory. Not me. Not you. God. We are instruments of God. We are instruments of His grace and mercy and love. And there's something to be said about that. But ultimately it is God doing what God is going to do. Right? And we, we can either go or we can stay. God has a plan and we can either go with Him or we can sit on our brains in a pew. Right? But God has a plan. And I say we go with God. He gets the glory. He always gets the glory. God has given us the ability. James says everything that we have that is good is a gift from God. So you see what, what's, what's going on here. We've got six people out sick. But normally, everyone's here. And that's good. Is that because of us? No, that's because of God. That's because of what God did and God has done in our life. Right? Does it make sense? We don't need to be getting too big for our britches. Just because, well, I see Wayne back here, yeah. We don't need to be getting too big for our britches, but we need to understand that everything we have is from God. All the joy, all the peace, all the love we're supposed to share, that's not to come from ourselves, but to come from a relationship with God. Amen? Let's go before the Lord prayer. Father, thank you for this word. Thank you for your glory and your grace. Lord, help us always, Lord, to give you glory. And Lord, to give you proper respect. Lord, help us not to be too, um, to be too proud or to be too uh, quick to give ourselves the glory. But Lord, to always know that you are the one who deserves the glory. Help us to grow. Help us to desire you and desire your word. Help us to uh, make it a daily 
habit and a daily desire to be in your word, to read your word, and to study your word. Lord, give us that desire and that love and that hunger for your word. And Lord, we thank you for that. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you today. May he bless you this week with a great week and a knowledge of his presence in your life. May you have that growing of and love for him and his word. May he always be foremost and forefront in your mind and your heart. Just bless, just bless him this week for all the good things he's given you. And God be with you. Tonight, remember, 7.30, Bible study on Facebook. If you're able to do so, if not at that particular time, it is archived on my page and on the church page. So keep that in mind as well. Uh, God be with you today. God bless you. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above the heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Thank you all for being here today. God bless you and be with you.